Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thank you so much for the ongoing support with the podcast. We could not do this without you. And it is just amazing to hear the stories coming from people who are putting what we're talking about into practice and making change in their lives. It's why we're doing it. And I am just so glad to hear that it's having that impact and benefit on you all. We'd love to hear more of you. And what we'd love is for you to send through your own version of the closing five questions that we finish each episode with. So just to remind you, the five questions, number one is what is your best childhood memory? Number two is what do you think is the biggest burden on mental health in society today? Number three is where do you see mental health in 10 years time? Number four, what is your personal definition of happiness? And number five, the most courageous thing you've ever done. We'd love to hear this from you. And if you could either send it to me uh, on Instagram, you can DM me. My Instagram is just Nick Brax or email it to us, moveyourmind at nickbrax.com or simply through my website, nickbrax.com. We're going to collate these and read out a few of them on one of the episodes. So we'd really love to hear from you. And once again, thank you so much for the ongoing support. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On today's episode, I want to welcome Paul Green, who's a Canadian actor, singer, and entrepreneur. Paul's first notable role was in the TV series Wicked Wicked Games, where he was a series regular, appearing in 40 episodes as attorney Benjamin Gray. His other acting credits include roles in series such as Freddy, Shark, The Wedding Bells, My Worst Enemy, and NCIS. Green made his first major picture debut in Sofia Coppola's 2010 film Somewhere. Paul, thank you so much for coming and having a chat to me today for my new podcast, Move Your Mind. Uh, This is the first time I've met you. I actually found you through the agency I'm with in Vancouver, which I've had to leave for a little while, but I uh, really appreciate it, mate. I know you're busy. You've made the time to do this chat with me all the way from the other side of the world. So thank you so much, mate, for coming and having this discussion. Yeah, I was interested in what you're talking about. And also, I'm in a 14-day quarantine, so I'm the opposite of busy. (laughs) (laughs) I I just entered the country two days ago for season eight of When Calls a Heart. And in order to come in from anywhere, you have to self-quarantine for 14 days. So I can't go outside for a walk or a swim. or I can't do anything. So I have all my tools here. So I have time for this right now. You got time. I uh, I feel for you, mate. I had to do the same thing when I came back to Australia and I'm going back to Vancouver in a couple of months and I'm going to have to do the same thing. So not looking forward to that. But um, I guess it's just, you know, it's good good to keep as busy as you can and yeah. do what you can with that time, isn't it? But yeah, it's um, a crazy world we're living in at the moment. <laughs> it ch- yeah, it changed overnight. Yeah, seriously. It's, it's insane. Um, and we'll go into a bit of that uh, later on, but I guess just to open up um, and, you know, I've read how much you've done. So not sort of a huge um, explanation here because we, we don't have all day. I don't want to take up all of your time, but um, can you give me just a, a bit of a condensed background about 
you know, where you've come from, how, how you got basically got to where you are now. Sure. Uh, it, it's, it's hard to explain. I mean, it's, it's a, I'll try to make it short because it's a bit of a journey. I grew up in Northern Canada, uh, on a farm and I, I was destined to sort of do something like in the, not farming, but something tradesy. My dad was a welder. My mom was a nurse. But I watched two movies in the same weekend, uh, Purple Rain with Prince and Bloodsport with Jean-Claude Van Damme, which is a martial arts movie from the 80s. And I wasn't allowed to see movies like that. I grew up Christian and super religious, so I snuck over to a friend's house. And those movies changed my life. Like I, I would wake up dreaming that I was on set uh, fighting with Jean-Claude Van Damme. And it was strange. I wasn't in the movie. I was actually on set and they would yell cut and I'd be like in my dream and I'd be on the sets that I'm currently on now. It was nothing that would have fed that. Like it just totally came to me as like a premonition or something. But so I put myself in martial arts, stopped eating sugar because Jean-Claude Van Damme was like eating so well in his this movie. And then I also started acting lessons at 16. And I was in drama and church and drama and school. And But I'd always sneak into drama the back way because the, the actors were like listening to more heavy metal and smoking cigarettes. And I was a part of the athlete group. Like I was... So there's like a athlete door and a arts door and I would always go in the athlete's door but then I'd have to I would like sneak into the the drama the drama classes um just they didn't really talk to each other those two class groups in school uh but but I was then I got a volleyball scholarship to go to Red Deer College which is a small college in the middle of Alberta and one night at a nightclub, someone came up to me and said, you should try modeling. You should go see this guy, Kelly Streit, who is an agent. And he had just discovered Trisha Helfer uh, in Canada, who is a supermodel of the world in that year, 92. And I went to this club where he was and he saw me and he invited me behind the Velvet Rope Society at this bar. And I met all these models. And then the next morning, I was at Gerard Yunker's studio taking pictures who was one of his photographer friends. And within a couple weeks, I was already off to Toronto and, and I landed in Toronto and booked at Levi's. And then within three months, I met my agents from Paris and Milan and in Toronto and I was living in Paris three months later. So my life at, from college just changed in like one night. Uh, but I was so excited because I, I, to get out in the world, I had this. I had such a big vision and a big dream for my life. And everywhere I looked, it didn't reflect what I felt inside. Uh, small farming communities, and and I love my roots. I love where I came from. But it, I had such a big spirit and such a big excitement for adventure. So in Europe, in Asia, I lived in all the, all over Europe and Asia. And I was every day that I would get booked on a commercial, a moving picture, a TV commercial, I would come home and I'd just be so lit up because I was kind of acting. And it was like, because modeling is quite, is not very fulfilling. I mean, I loved the travel and it gave me a lot of time. Uh, I went on like a religious 10-year celibacy monk experience right when I started modeling so from 18 to my wedding night I was like no sex no drugs no drinking just my guitar and I did a lot of interesting things during that time they were the most productive years of my life was my 20s I got my pilot's license I learned how to cook I started buying rental properties I was saving my money because I wasn't blowing it on women and drugs and so I started building investments when I was 19 years old because I had so much focus just on 
one thing, which was just God, really. And and so the tithing principles of giving 10% and saving 10%, like these things, These I was reading great books. I had great mentors. I was learning languages and learning how to cook. And it really saved my life in a way. Like I was a brat, like before I started modeling, which is weird. It usually goes the other way, but I was... I was always, I was in trouble a lot. I had a bit of the wrong crowd and just I was restless. I needed to get out and so I did. But always wanting to act, I eventually made it to Miami from another agent who saw me. And then in Miami, I met my acting agent from New York who said, come to New York and act. And I was so excited. So I lived in New York for almost 10 years. But as soon as I got there, I was with Wilhelmina, which is a modeling agency. And I started booking modeling jobs and I was working 250 days a year modeling for like eight years and every time pilot season would come around I'd be like I gotta get to LA I gotta go act and I just was so always booked for modeling uh jobs and contracts and um department stores it was just a real I had a really really crazy uh modeling career but I was in New York I was studying with different acting coaches like Stella Adler and Uta Hagen and Susan Batson and I knew I wanted to eventually get to LA but so when my son was born New York gave me three strikes the 9-11 I was there and near the buildings and had to run from them and watch them fall and the debris came to our building I was shooting for Target in our building had to evacuate because of 9-11 and then when my son was born, the power went out in the East Coast and he was like three days old and we were in the 37th story of a building. So I had to carry my newborn son all the way up. And then a big truck came by one day and splashed my son and I with oil and water. And I was like, that's it. We're selling. We had a place in Jersey and a place in Long Island. We sold them. And I'm like, we're going to LA. And my son was like two months old that when we finally left New York for me to pursue this acting dream really at 30 and I was 30 years old and I had no film or TV credits and I came out to LA thankfully found an amazing acting teacher Sandy Marshall and I stayed with her for eight years a Meisner way of acting and I had this money in the bank and a lot of swagger and a lot of confidence so I said to different agencies I'm looking for an agent and I don't know if it's you but I'm I'm looking for a team and I would go to them and at the end of the meeting I was like I'll be in touch with you and these were like big agencies like they were like what like you don't have any credits like but they but it really it worked like I waited and I found the right fit and <laughs> and uh I had some help somebody believed in my acting and they recommended me to a manager and then I started seeing agents and but then you know here I am I guess 15 years later after coming to LA and 640 auditions later and 600 no's I've had 600 rejections and uh, four, 40 yeses and that lands me now I've been working uh, pretty consistently over the last maybe six or seven years uh, a couple big breaks with David E. Kelly and then Bitten, which is a series I did in Canada, like a werewolf series. And then one of the executives at Hallmark, uh, Bart Fisher, saw me on Bitten and offered me my first movie on Hallmark Channel. And I've done 12 since then in the last five years. And then this is season eight of a very popular series for Netflix and for Hallmark called When Calls the Heart. So it's it's like a frontier 
uh, set in 1917. Michael Landon Jr., who did Little House on the Prairie, his son created our show. So we have like those fans who are the most amazing fans, and many of them will actually listen to this. Thousands and thousands of them will listen to your podcast because they're the most a loyal, supportive fan base, and our show just keeps gaining momentum. We're growing and growing every year, and we're in season eight. So, so that brings us here to the present moment in Vancouver waiting till this quarantine so I can go back and shoot episode one of season eight of One Calls the Heart. I play Dr. Carson Shepard on that show. Yeah. Yeah. Look, thank you for sharing that story. I mean, it's the, you've, you've touched on all the different things I want to, you know, ask you about, but the theme of what I'm hearing with you is just following your gut, following your passion. What I find really inspiring and exciting about what you talked about as well is about really focusing and just having that tunnel vision about what you really want to do and not being distracted by all these other things we get caught up in life. And it's so difficult in this day and age to not get caught up in social media, like you were talking about when you're in your early 20s, drugs, alcohol, different things, temptations. For me, you know, the the reason I had my own battle with depression was I did get caught up in a lot of that stuff. And uh, now I've I've found more of that balance where I, I am focused. But it's pretty amazing you had that insight at a young age. So I guess like you, you explained, you, you sort of knew what you wanted, you felt it and you just had the confidence to follow it. Like what gave you that confidence at such a young age to be, you know, these are big things to just throw yourself out into the world. Most of us um, don't have the, you know, the, the courage to do it that early. Like how did you, you know, where did that come from? I don't feel like I had a choice. Like I'd love to take credit for it and say like I just powerfully chose. No, it was like I was guided. My life had has a path and I sort of just followed the flow of the river. Like I didn't resist too much and and, and it was a bit of a Forrest Gump thing. Like things just kind of continually happened and, and I, I, I think the one tool is I just stayed very open. All... I like I was open, but I was that way as a little boy. Like I was just open to mm. everything. And when someone said no to me, I'd be like, I'm going to show you how this can be a yes. Like I would never take no ever. So it, it's just, I really feel like I was guided divinely into this sort of journey that, that was a very important one, which is just the, to go inside and, and really work on myself and establish mm. some communication with God and, and, write a lot of songs and and just there was it was just it, I was so guided and I was so mm. but I just kept saying yes I was like go to the club and meet and yes and go shoot pictures yes go to Toronto of course go to Paris of course I was never like mm, maybe I should just stay here I just got here I was just like let's go <laughs> like let's yeah, go yeah yeah and yeah, I've yeah. kind of that's my personality though I'm very I'm very adventure I love variety i'm not like i don't need the same thing every day i need different things every day so yeah 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 you know i think everyone has a path and everyone has a journey that if they're they stay open their own specific path will open and, and there will be signs that that you know um but taking the time to be alone and to get to know yourself is i think what was the gift of that celibate time like i was living in the weirdest countries in a model apartment and I had like my guitar and I remember going to Dolce & Gabbana and I worked for them and for um 
and in, in the while I was there, I was like reading my Bible with Dolce and Gabbana. They were there and, and talking to me and they're like, What are you doing? <laughs> and I had my guitar and it was just it's just an odd kind of a journey. But I'm I look back at it and I'm really grateful for for that. And I had great family. I mean, my parents were a shining example of generosity and contribution. Uh so I, I entered the world that, you know, as how do I add value rather than what can I get from this world? Yeah, absolutely. And like there's so many really important things you're touching on there. And I think what what I love as well is the contrast of, especially like you're saying, you know, with the modeling. And I, I when I was in my early 20s, I was in that industry. And so much of that is tied in with, uh, you know, partying and ego and people are just trying to so i love the contrast that you were able to operate in that industry but stay so true to your values and the point you're making about being open to things not judging things and i think a lot of it's you know non-attachment as well that you're you you've got these you've had these goals that you've you've followed but you weren't thinking it has to happen in this exact way and I think that is just so important. And I think so many people listening to this can, you know, because there's so many people that I think we all know um, in our gut what we want to do if we really listen. But a lot of the time we get caught up in what will people think? Uh, but my parents don't want me to do that. Or, you know, my friends are going to judge me. Or what if I fail? And there's a lot of people, and I know from the work I do how many people I've spoken to that, Deep down, I think they know what they want to do, but they're so scared. And it's a good example of just being open, not judging things, being able to just go and, you know, follow that, not not have to, you know, control every part of the journey. And, you know, because eventually it will lead us to where we want to go if we just stay open. That's what I love about what you're saying with all of that. What's really important is we only get one life that we know of. Like, I'm not sure how all that works when we pass. I mean, I have my own, my own thoughts or sort of beliefs about what happens when you die, but nobody really knows. So let's say we have this one life and, and I don't buy into this specification, like find one thing that you're good at and just do that. I would say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do like Joseph Campbell, like follow your bliss, do the thing that really lights you up. And if you climb a mountain and you get to here and you realize you can't get to the top of the mountain, most people are, aren't willing to go all the way back down the mountain and climb up the other side to get where they want to go. They'll just kind of camp out there their whole life. Mm. Mm. And then this really works for my type of personality and from my perspective where I love variety and change and Mm. and i love Mm. adventure not everyone's wired the same but even for the people that are conservative in their approach and that love consistency over variety you still you you don't have to wake up and be miserable like you can live the life that you love you actually get a choice like and i think we forget that because some people have committed seven years to a career but they hate it and they're like i can't go back down the mountain and go around exactly. and climb. I know where I want to get. And, you know, my message is to people, just do it. Like, you only get one. You're here once that we know of. So you might as well wake up enjoying yourself, loving your partner that you're next to, loving your environment, and choosing amazing friends that are aligned with you spiritually and emotionally and financially. And, like, there we People, we there's we live in this victim mindset that life is happening constantly yeah. to us when life is really happening for you if you choose that. So that's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, no. I could I couldn't agree more. And it's like 
you hear it all the time where people have invested all and I ask so many people that where they they might be in a well-paid job but they hating what they do and you're hearing how much they despise it and and I'll ask oh, you know what would you what would you love to do if you could and that there's they're, they're quite clear on it but it's like okay well what's in the way of doing that oh no no I can't and I've spent the last 20 years doing this it's just this is my path and it's like well you don't have to you know we all have a choice mm. uh, but we we get so caught up in you know, in feeling like we don't and with having variety as well i think you know that's so important i find that for me you know i'm i'm similar to you where i need to be doing different things and often you're told oh no but you can't you got to just do one thing and that's all if you want to be an actor you're not allowed to do anything else i'm like well I, you know, I run my business while I do my acting and that actually helps with the acting because it means mm. I'm financially stable and also able to really enjoy the pursuit of acting, not be feeling, you know, anxious about when's the next job coming. So it's like, I, I think it's, it's different for everyone, like you're saying, but um, I, I know that so many of these points that you're touching on here are just so uh, going to, you know, be able to help people in different ways. So I think it, it's so important. So yeah, right now you're on a, a show that you're back in Vancouver filming. Can you tell us a bit more about that show? Yeah, and this is another really interesting thing is it's a bit of a phenomenon because it's, you know, eight seasons of any show is a really great run. And it's specifically the type of show that brings people comfort and hope and and inspiration. Like every episode, I don't know if you remember Little House on the Prairie but every episode sort of had a lesson and like a moral and our show is very, very similar to that. So I'm pretty pleased to be connected to not just a network, the Hallmark Channel, which is just putting out programming that is very family friendly. And it's almost it's in, in the, the news media and the mainstream media is so divisive and, and polarizing everyone's opinion. Everyone's at each other constantly. And I'm so pleased to be a part of something that is actually a bit of a remedy to the madness. It's it's like a utopia that people can go into and have the feel-good movies and the feel-good programming. So I uh, we live in a strange world, and I'm and I love that I am <laughs> on a network that's really doing a lot of good for people, and the fans are just phenomenal. So we're in season eight. I play a doctor in a really small, small town called Hope Valley and the fans of the shows are called of our show is called the Hardies. so their hashtag is Hardies, and so when you post be sure to tag them they absolutely they are very organized and they're the reason our show is still going is they they show up in several million every time we're on the air it's up to three four million wow. our Christmas movie gets close to five million um, original eyes like live eyes it's pretty great for cable uh, for people who pay subscription to cable network to get it. So it's an ensemble cast. There's like uh, a pretty large group of us actors, like maybe eight or ten, and and then a big a big supporting cast too. So it's 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 fun to be a part of that. Uh, the, the author of the books actually grew up with my grandmother and knew my grandmother as teenagers uh, in this little tiny village. So it's like a lot of serendipity along the way. Um, her name is Jeanette Oak. Yeah, well, all these different connections. But, you know, it is so important, like you're saying, that we have things that are, you know, make people feel good at the moment and that are not, there's just, it's never ending, you know, where we're hearing about, I mean, obviously what's going on with coronavirus, political, you know, matters that are happening, people, you know, it's just, we we need to be able to just have some nice things as well. So I love that, 
you know, this brings that to so many people. Uh, yeah. Because it's just, it's, it's a, we're living in a pretty crazy time. And uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you as well was, um, how, how have you, I mean, you, you've sort of answered a lot of it, but uh, in, in the acting world, but in life in general now, it's just, you know, it's never ending. It's hard to not get overwhelmed with, you know, social media. There's just content everywhere, news everywhere. Um, I know in the, you know, entertainment industry, there's just so many angles to it. And it's hard to find, uh, to stay grounded while pursuing a career in it. How, how do you maintain that regularly, you know, to stay operating in this field but stay grounded? Is it, I guess, probably having, you know, you've got so many other interests and your family and everything else, but is that is that a, a balancing act for you? Yes, but, like, a couple of things. It does get easier with age. Like, as you get older, mm-hmm. you just get a little bit more grounded in general. Most people. Some people still lose it in their 40s and 50s, for sure. But in general... yeah. It's more less acceptable for a forty or a fifty year old to be irresponsible. So there's the there's the actual projection of of society for you to to get your crap together, right? So that that helps for sure, just that natural progression of of age. Uh, but then I had that my twenties was my foundation of of having my life sort of work in a way that. I'm not sabotaging myself. Like there's, a, yeah, in, yeah. I, I had such a special, I was crazy from 15 to like 18. I met a model who was a Christian who, who bought me a Bible and a guitar. And I was like, if I'm ever going to be with someone like this, I better stop having sex and get my life together. So at 18 going mm. into modeling is when I became like, I almost like rediscovered God for myself in a way. And I had all these wild adventures uh, along that journey. But you know, with social media, like you said, and, 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 you know, every working with different people, there's, there's definitely things that pull in certain ways that might be distracting in that. But, you know, I have a son and there's all these anchors in my life. So God is an anchor. Uh, my son is an anchor. My fiance is an anchor. Um, you know, my music is an anchor. I pick up my guitar and I just drift away into bliss. And I, um, I have a lot of accountability with teachers and mentors. I have a lot of coaches. I, I'm doing development courses all the time from Landmark Forum to Landmark Team. And then all I start Tony Robbins, another Tony Robbins live UPW on Thursday, which is a, a weekend thing that he's doing virtually because of COVID. But I have, co- okay, yep. I have coaches, I have mentors, and then I mentor a lot of young people as well. Uh, people that some some that are quite young and then some that are just a little younger and so there's all these anchors I think that keep you grounded Mm. my relationship to my yoga practice and my meditation is an anchor and my fitness routine is an anchor it's like I think you only get lost is when you when you become like narcissist and just stare at yourself in your phone and and (laughs) looking at the the vanity metrics of of social media that are telling you how how good you are by how many people liked your freaking picture or video. If you get lost there, I think it's really easy to kind of, um, to, to lose your path of integrity and what you're actually remember that your, your life is meant to be a contribution and you you get paid equal to how much you're adding value in this world. And so I, I, I've had so many great teachers and mentors and books that are my anchors that, 
that if I'm caught in a habit that isn't serving me, I have a, I almost have a switch that's like, this isn't making your life better. So let's just, let's, let's do the things that actually move things forward and add value for other people. Which, uh, yeah, 100%. It's always bringing it back, isn't it? And so many people get caught up in that now of, of looking at all of those metrics, worrying about what people think, needing to, you know, just this, to fuel this beast that you, you, you actually, you can't win if, if you're, you're basing everything on the external. I need X from, you know, I'm not going to be happy unless I get X amount of likes or I'm not going to be happy unless I make X amount of money or get this or get that. It's just a never-ending thing. So if we can have those things, which I, I wanted to um, ask you about, and I mean, one, one of them is, like I've read, you know, you, you write music, you've released, I, I had a bit of a listen to some of the music you released. It was really good, by the way. Um, I really liked it. Oh, thank um, you. Thanks you know, a lot. Acting, music, I read you, you wrote a, a book on parenting. Um, you've got, like you're saying, coaching programs. Yeah, it's just, my question with that is, well, I want to hear about this book as well. Um, but how, how do you not get overwhelmed in that process of managing all of these different projects? Uh, you know, we all only have a certain amount of time in each day. Is it, I guess it probably, yeah, how do you do that? <laughs> There's a few tools. Time blocking is one. So like say from 9 to 10 is I work on my physical body. Then from 10, 30, 10 to 10.30, I'll write just in my book for that 30 minutes. And then I'll do another bit of fitness stuff on the rebound. Like I'm, it depends where I'm at. But like here it's so easy because I look at the day and I just time block. <laughs> I'm like, okay, from this time to this time, I'm playing music and working on new songs. From this time to that time, I'm writing in the book. From this time to that time, I'm responding to fans on social media and seeing how much value I can add to the people that support me so freaking much. And so Mm. time blocking, uh, I would say team, like not trying to do it all yourself, hiring coaches, hiring, hiring other people that are way better at it, that could do it in like 10 seconds rather than me taking 10 months. So like building a a team to do it because we can't do stuff on our own. We just can't. You can, but it's mm-hmm. f- not fulfilling, and and it's and the quality is just as good as your experience. Why, why not have ten people's experience to make your product or your gift, uh, you know, be something that's that's significant value that might last several uh, different generations? So yeah, yeah, so so I would say time blocking is a big thing. Um, the experience of overwhelm that you're speaking of comes from incompletions. Like people would would be able to handle quite a bit of anxiety panic attacks or overwhelm if they just got complete the the top one or two things that they know that if they completed them would bring them peace so there's so many of us that have we have these lists right of things to do but if you just grab the top three or four and put them in your calendar as like this is an appointment i will do that monday at noon that thing get it off your to-do list because the to-do list will just keep growing and it's very overwhelming because there's no sense of completion so Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel overwhelm is when you're out of integrity with your core beliefs in yourself and you also um, have a lot of incompletions in your life, you will feel overwhelmed. Sometimes it's just calling your ex or your mom and getting that relationship complete will reduce those symptoms of panic or anxiety or, or depression even. And I know mm-hmm. you're, you're, you've dealt with, you've, you've explored that space, so I don't have it much personal experience with depression other than my ex-wife had and her grandmother had experienced 
uh, pretty serious symptoms of it during different times. But I'm like always excited and always happy. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like how, how, how are people depressed? And it's like, so I'm the wrong guy. Like, I know you're a mental, I love that you're like a mental, uh, all I can, mental health. And that's like your, what your, I love that. I, I listened to your TED talk too. And it's like, all I know is for myself, when I focus on things that are positive, I get more of that. And when I focus on things that are negative and missing or wrong, I get more of that. So from my perspective, from my mental health is all focus. It's like I focus on all the good that I have and all the amazing stuff in my life. I'm not going to be depressed. If I focus on what's missing or I should be this, I should be with my son right now because he's in grade 12 or I should be with my fiance because we're engaged. And, And if I start going down that road, it's anybody would get depressed if you start focusing on your problems and on what's lacking or missing. But if you just focus on all the freaking blessings that are way more, they're just, they grow and where the grass is greener, where you water it. So, and which is something I put on like my Instagram thing. And I really love that quote is the grass is not greener on the other side. The, it's, which also keeps me from temptation of being with other women when I'm away from my, no, I'm like, I got to water that grass so that the grass is greener wherever I give it attention and love and, and water. Yeah. I, I really love that. And, and, and look, yeah. I, and that's why I really appreciate you coming on here as well. Like you're, you've got so much good advice and for anyone that is, you know, suffering from anxiety, overwhelm, depression, different things, all the things you're saying are so, so important. And it's about bringing things back to, you know, simplicity. Yeah. And like you're talking about, I, I really love that quote. I'm going to, I'm going to um, use that one a bit myself for what you just said with the um, grass is always greener where you water it, because our mind is, I think, conditioned to always look at, you know, what, what I have is not, once you've got it, the mind is thinking, oh, no, there's got to be something better out there or, you know, what what's next? And it's never, it is absolutely not the case. You know, we, there's no perfect scenario. There's no, you know, better or worse. It's like what, what we have right now is significant based on what we invest into that and how much we want to nurture, you know, that relationship or that acting career or the business or whatever it is. That's how we make it meaningful. For sure. And if you, and, and, you don't want to compare yourself to anyone else. Just compare yourself to where you used to be. So the only comparison that I think is healthy, and this is a Jordan Peterson quote is compare yourself to who you used to be and where you used to be. Don't ever compare yourself to others because their, their journey is a whole other thing. That's you could never compare yourself to someone. It doesn't even make sense to, to, it's not possible. It's not, not only not possible, it's just insane because they grew up with different, coaches religion one maybe their parents beat them or didn't beat them they grew up maybe geo geographically or geopolitically grew up in an area where it was easier for them to thrive compared to maybe somebody in like the sudan or something it's just but it's yeah we compare i love that quote to compare yourself with who you used to be not never with someone else and and yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but, I love uh, I love Jordan Peterson, by the way. I think he's he's great. I listen to his stuff all the time. Yeah, and I like the way he's controversial, and he says the odd thing where I'm like, wait, wait a second. But when you if you take the time to listen to Jordan Peterson for the full four hours or three hours, you'll get it in context. Most people take him out of context, and he says very controversial mm. things, but 
you take anybody out of context, they're going to sound like buffoons. But one more thing about anxiety or depression or, and that, that yeah. I, that works for me is if I'm not moving my body, like if I'm not physically active, I can feel that feeling of like tension here or, or like that, like, and I know I got to go for a walk or get on my trampoline or do a bunch of push-ups. and here in quarantine, every hour I'm dropping yeah. <laughs> every hour I'm dropping and doing 50 push-ups or 40 push-ups. 40 crunches, I do 40 squats, and then I hop on the rebounder for two to three minutes. So every hour I have an alarm that goes off and I do my little circuit. By the end of the day, I've done 500 push-ups, 500 crunches, 500 squats. And the body, like our, our ancestors, hunter and gatherers, wouldn't go to the gym for an hour. They would be lifting something here and doing this thing and then and later they'd be doing more it's there was always intervals like kind of space out so that's what i'm doing in yeah quarantine. it's easier in quarantine I, I miss lifting heavy things but it's pretty cool it helps my mental health um for sure yeah. eating really well like if i if i'm eating high vibe and foods from from me and and moving my body and 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 in focusing on gratitude because you can't be grateful and angry at the same time you can't be grateful and frustrated at the same time you can't be grateful and depressed at the same time from my perspective i'm not talking about clinical depression i'm talking about people who choose to focus on things that make them miserable depression absolutely well the mind can only focus on you know one th if you're fully focused it can only think about one thing at a time so uh and this is the the crazy thing about so much in this realm um a lot of it is when you really boil it down, it's quite simple, but it's so complicated for people to actually do it because life is complicated and we get caught up in different things. So it's bringing ourselves back to being present, being focused. Um, and what you just taught, told me then, I was going to ask you about, you know, what daily routines do you have? For me, I'm the same as you. I have to, I can't come from a competitive sporting background. I have to exercise every day. I find it profound how much exercise helps it is just you know and it just gets the brain moving it's when i'm most creative i come up with ideas i'm it's just it's amazing so i think it's such an important point so i, I mean for you, you you've just sort of told me a bit about it for your like daily sort of routines of what helps you it's fitness nutrition are there other things you you do they're the main sort of yeah um you know daily ex processes you follow to you know stay stay grounded Yes, for sure. And it changes for me. I need variety. It's not the same every day. Yeah. I do go through phases where I do one thing. But just before we jump off of this, if someone was listening to that last section and their life does get challenging and it's hard to make changes, if you don't change your environment, like your friends, the, the stuff you're watching on TV, the food you're eating, the, the things that influence you, maybe the apartment you're in, if you don't shift your environment, you will never change. Like you might, mm. you might get this epiphany or you go to a weekend and then come home and everything's the same. All the people around you are the same. Maybe some negative friends or some friends that are completely tearing you down with their judgments or, uh, mm. or have these uh, limiting beliefs um, on you. So or upper limit or upper limiting you, uh, without changing your environment, it's almost impossible to change yourself. Like it's you, you, everything around you has to support you and almost like serve where you're going with your life, which is why in my place, I have a trampoline right here and a Shakti mat, which is like a bed of nails outside, which is a bed of nails is like to lay on that hits all the chakras along my back. 
I have skipping yeah. ropes, rubber bands, other pulley bands. I ordered a, or I'm ordering a, a pull-up bar for this door. There's stuff around here that really serves my desire to feel good in my body. And, you know, you have to have a big le- leverage, like a big why. And for me, I want to be around when mm. my son is having kids and I want to be able to play beach volleyball with my son. Like if you have a strong enough why, your morning routine will come more easily because you have leverage over it. So I yeah, start yeah, with yeah. I start with like breathing Wim Hof. I have an app where I do Wim Hof breathing. I've done I met Wim Hof seven years ago. I actually hosted him at oh, wow. a, at an event in L.A. Uh, and did the ice bath with him and and learned his breathing seven years ago or maybe even it was more. It was like nine years ago. Um, so Wim Hof, um, I definitely do a seven minute workout, which is just a quick interval thing that touches every body part to turn to turn it on. But when I hit the mm. my feet hit the floor, I say thank you like just a ton of times, like thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. As soon as as I'm making my bed, and I always make my bed like first thing, and I make sure everything's tidy, like I can't handle clutter, so I'm constantly like tidying up just to make my mind feel like kind of uh, open and and spacious and not cluttered with things. But I, yeah. I have cold showers on the regular every morning. Uh, and then I do yoga quite frequently, sometimes three times a week. And then every hour during this quarantine, I add, I set an alarm. I'll just say uh, set a one-hour timer. And then it dings and I drop on the ground, do my 40 push-ups, do my 40 squats, do my crunches, and then hop up on the rebounder. And that's during quarantine. That's I can't do that every day, but... Um, yeah. it's always kind of changing as long as I'm, I'm lit up about it. And I do so much research on like biohacking stuff that I'm kind of obsessed with the way that our bodies work with alkalinity and detoxification and all these things. So I'm, I'm pretty turned on and lit up about nutrition and fitness. And, and so it's not hard for me to do it, but it's like, it's, I really believe, yeah. I believe in the 1% rule. If you just did 15 minutes of something that's 1% of your day. So let's say you did 15 minutes of skipping rope or 15 minutes of walking or 15 minutes of my guitar. At the end of the year, it's 1% of your day. You're 300 and yeah. you're 365% better improved by percentage base on whatever that is. So the, so we, we think we have to spend five hours doing something. I'm a big believer in like, we just do it really focused for 15 minutes, whatever that thing is. And then kind of, and then if, if you feel still, still feel inspired, keep going with it. But I, I'm, I'm always doing different things that keep me lit up. Mental health and wellbeing are real issues in the construction industry. Men in construction are twice as likely to take their own life compared to the ones who work in other industries. And that's just not good enough. With John Holland's help, we want to make a change. We've joined together to have honest conversations about mental health, life, and stories of people who have overcome challenges. When we hear about stories and struggles that sound a bit like ours, we can learn from each other and remember that we're not alone. Mate, I'm, I'm loving everything you're saying because it's so in line with you know what I sort of do every every day as well and it, it's so so true like that that thing you're saying about this one percent rule it's i i think that is so 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 important i i know in in my past i used to had all these things i wanted to do and i would try and do everything at once and i felt like unless i like you're saying you know do so much right now 
it's not going to be enough. And then you get overwhelmed. And I've seen this. I, I have so many people I've trained my whole life and I have so many friends that always say to me, how do I, how do I get fit? What do I do? Where do I begin? And the one thing I say to them is don't worry about getting any instant results. You know, one of the points you made before, tie it to something meaningful. Don't, don't make it about, I want to get a six pack. You know, if you're going to do that, it's like, that's not motivating enough to keep you doing it when you get sick of it. Tie it to something meaningful, but then also make it enjoyable. Don't do it. You know, I see so many people, they'll go hardcore for two weeks and you feel like crap. They're pushing themselves too hard. They associate it with pain and then you stop. Make it fun and and, and make it into a, a routine. You know, start making it part of your day-to-day life. You don't have to do 10 hours a day you know you can some days you might just be like I've, I've only got like you said 15 minutes I'm just going to go and do what I can don't judge it don't put that pressure some days you might do more some days less it's more about consistency and doing little bits every day you're right and I just think it's so important what you've said you know in the day and age we're in now because I think there's so much misinformation that people hear about thinking they need to do everything all at once or they you know it's just not true and it's not you know we're we're all, we've all got 24 hours in a day. We're all only human. We can only do so much. So just, you know, simplifying it. It's, it's yeah. really important, mate. It's good. You, you touched on it. If you don't know why you're doing something, you're just going to get lost. So like, why, why are you working out or why are you doing that job? And like, it, that's the best way to get out of the, the, the symptoms of overwhelm is, is to, when you're do the one thing, like I said, like one thing that if you did that one thing, it would make everything else easier or unimportant. That's a Tim Ferriss quote. So, so mm-hmm. what is the one thing that like for me would right now, cause I made a beautiful uh, lunch would be the one thing that would bring me the most joy when we hang up is to move some of the bags that are, shouldn't be there and do the dishes so that the kitchen feels like that. That's the one thing that's uh, and then, then, then when you're done that, you go, okay, now what's the one thing instead of going like, what's, if I don't yeah, do all this yeah. and if you like the why connected to it, you have to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Cause if it's to be loved or accepted or approved by somebody, you're going to be so freaking miserable, like f- miserable. And that's why social media makes so many people anxious and, yeah. and yeah. depressed and do really stupid things is because they're doing it to get admiration and love and acceptance and build their self-worth from the outside. Where if you build it from the inside and you actually things that really make us feel confident or filled up is adding value and contributing our, to others and having your life actually make a difference that when you're gone off this planet, it will matter that you were here. Like yeah. that ain't going to come from likes on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. It's not going to be forgotten. Yeah, it yeah. isn't. Those things are gone. Like we're easily forgotten and, and we're and so is is and we're here for a period of time that I, I really want to make my life matter and make a difference so and I struggle with this like I I don't have this pinned that people I'm a I really love admiration and, and acceptance and approval and it's and it's and it's well, been it my, good it's been my engine yeah. for most of my life it's yeah. only you know I did a 10-day silent Vipassana retreat my dad had just passed and I just lost a baby at that time too. So I was in Vipassana and, and, and then I did a month in India on a motorcycle, uh, just in my helmet, like for a month, just as my thoughts and going, doing a bunch of yoga and a bunch of things. So there's, uh, it's definitely been a journey of getting to my why 
that I'm doing something isn't just to be loved and and have all this acknowledgement mm-hmm. and you're the best because I've always been kind of good at things like good at sports, good at music, good at like people skills and and people would mm-hmm. uh, would constantly tell me that. So there was a many years where I needed that to feel good about myself mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and I had like I said some very great teachers and books and courses I took along the way that helped me understand that my why was too small. My why was just to feel good or my why, yeah. I mean, feel good from the outside or my why was to be accepted or loved or approved of. And and so once I started to shift and like I said, I struggle with it. It's still, I still look at my Instagram posts. And I'm like, Oh, that one got 10,000 likes. And I'm like, feel pretty chuffed about myself. Uh, and or how many views one of my live concert gets like if it gets like all of a sudden gets like a bunch less i'm like i think as i've gotten older and a little more mature i go what what was missing that i wasn't able to engage with people rather than i'm not good like i'm i much more go to solution like quickly move one of my teachers is like there's no problems there's only solutions and she shifted my whole world that when a problem comes up, she only would look for the solutions. And so if, if say one of the videos gets engagement, I'm like, oh, it's because at that time, most of my fans are asleep. It's got nothing to do with my yeah. song choice. It's got nothing to do with this. So it's uh, learning to live my life and life that I love from the engine of my why being much bigger than myself has been transformational. Yeah, look, I love that. Yeah, there's so many good things you're saying in here. And I think, you know, the, the two points, what you're saying there, I love that as well of not, and that's what our mind can do often. Oh, what have I done wrong? Why am I not good enough? That hasn't worked. It's like, no, there's, it's, there's so many factors that go into that. But then the bigger one, why am I doing what I'm doing? A yeah. lot of the time, yeah. and, you know, I've met a lot of actors, for example, that are doing it because they're, wanting to be liked and accepted and you know it's not like it's like you might still want to do it but don't do it for that reason i think the problem with how we're um educated in school how we're educated in society is we're taught the opposite way when we should be taught from the beginning first of all before you worry about doing anything else let's just learn about ourselves let's learn you know who am i what makes me tick what do i care about you know feed yourself find that self-love and then from there you're sort of unstoppable because if you don't need anything externally, you can handle pretty much anything life throws at you. But we're often taught the opposite way. You're right. And why I don't need, schools Why don't yeah. schools teach that early? Like you're saying, like in they need to. They elementary need to. school, a self-love class, a finance class, a relationship class. Who gives a crap about like trigonometry? Like who, what percentage? a lot of the time. Oh, it's like a lot of things we get taught we don't need, you know, but then we're not, yeah. How is that going to really add value to your life if you can't, if you don't know how to accept and love yourself or be in a relationship or balance a checkbook? Like, why is those classes not like the priorities and the other stuff should be electives? It's from my perspective and from my experience. I hated school. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's very archaic in how we're taught and it hasn't really adapted and changed. And It's prison. I mean, it's a prison system and it's, they all look like prisons and they're training they you, they're training you how to be inside of a system as a worker bee rather than to think for yourself and do something exactly. that you really love. You're it's, they look like prisons. They're lit. And no wonder our prisons are full because we're training people to go to prison. 
Exactly, and it, it circles back to you know what I originally what you said at the very beginning about how you've always been open and able to you know follow your intuition. We're taught in society to, as you just said, we're taught to suppress and to become part of a system and not think for ourselves. I remember when I um, was getting first getting into acting, my first day of this full time course, the teacher said. First thing you're going to do is we want you to unlearn everything you've been taught for the last 20 years. And I always think about that one because it's so relevant. It's like we need to unlearn all of this conditioned behavior so we can then go and actually make some decisions for ourselves and go and, you know, think, how can you be creative when you you put in a box and you're told, you know, you've given rules. There's no, there's not rules, you know, everything's systemized. And for sure, if you're living from your past, which most people do, by the way. Most people either yeah. the the past is not in the past; it's in their future and the present that they're they're trying to either overcome the past or fix the past or change the past. And and they, there's no way of creating anything new because your their past is in the way, and they get in a relationship, and their past is between that person. You might be seeing this beautiful soul in front of you, but you can't see them because all of your past relationships you're projecting onto them and they're not even behaving like themselves because you're projecting so much on them. And it's, it's so like, that's why your teacher's like, forget everything, you know, we're good. And you create, mm-hmm. you create from nothing. You, if you try to create from your past or like so many people have their identity and their story in their past and we have to divorce our story our, and create, otherwise you're just going to recreate your past experience over and over and over again in relationships with your financial loops that you end up people will get to an upper there's a big there's a book i love called the big leap that talks about the upper limit problem and people get to a certain point where they're they've decided it's like almost like a thermostat that they can't be happier they can't be wealthier they can't be more significant so they actually they get to everyone has a, a, a level a thermostat and at that point, we sabotage ourselves. And the book's phenomenal. It kind of unpacks how to break through your upper limit problem. And we all have them. Like we all get to a certain mm, point mm, and, you're, and, and people destroy things when they're going well because they've decided they can't be that happy or that successful. And it's a phenomenal tool, the upper limit. I, it's one of the things we teach in the course that, that, we're, that you mentioned earlier that uh, my partner Kate and I are leading a large group of women right now through an eight-week transformational course. And this upper limit Mm. thing is one of the things we talk about. I handle the body and my partner, Kate, handles the mind stuff. And then we do a relationship component. So it's mind, body, and then connection and help them restore love and affinity with people in their life that they might be out of contact with and show them how to uh, restore their integrity where it's out and things like that. Tools that we've learned from different coaches and courses and books and over the and my partner Kate's a Tony Robbins trained uh strategic intervention coach so she has mm. some training and coaching in that way so um this stuff lights me up man I could talk about this all day well you've lived and breathed it as well but and where where can we anyone listening to this and we'll put this in the show notes as well and we'll sure. have links but where where can they go if they want to if they want to uh, look at your course. So the course that that I mentioned is we're finished in a week this run, but I'm actually hired a uh, we're in the process right now of f- hiring a team to help us make the course uh, a lot more accessible. Evergreen, it's called, so it goes it just runs while you're sleeping. Oh, yeah. and, uh, so, but 
always the information is on paulgreen.com and green has an E at the end. And then on, I'm very active on my social media, uh, Paul Green official, which is my Facebook and my Instagram. And I'm always, if there's a course running, uh, we'll run, I'll run like videos and, and, uh, banners and things on those on my social. So people will know, uh, and it's 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 really interesting because my partner Kate, we she's always she's just got a really she's from Sydney, um, she's an Aussie, and she's always she's had her first she had a business there in Sydney at nineteen, and she's a really brilliant actress as well. But she just has a knack for sort of uh, starting really interesting companies, and so together we have a few different businesses and companies. And she's she's kind of the operations of it, and I'm sort of the uh, maybe the media guy and, and, uh, so it, but it's, it lights us up. I can't even tell you how much seeing these 130 women, seeing what their stories and who they were seven weeks ago and what they've accomplished. It's just like, Oh, it's, it's so fulfilling, so much more fulfilling than a show being ranked number two on the charts for that week or whatever. That stuff comes and goes so quickly or my songs selling a lot or, it's so rewarding to know that these women are getting their life back and they have a bit of a chance to live a life that they love uh, rather than a life of just reacting to everybody's demands on them or worse, just an autopilot existence of just doing the same thing every day for the never waking up. It's like in the matrix, like so many people are just asleep. They're plugged into a system and they're serving something in this, like their, their, their lives. There's, there's, but there's no authentic joy in it. So I feel like our course has also a way of helping people wake up from the, the sleepy dream that they're not really living their life and give them a chance to be like, Oh my gosh, I've been asleep. I've been in the passenger seat and now I'm going to move over to the driver's seat and actually do and create something that I love with my life rather than just be taken on this ride of victim, uh, ride where there's no fulfillment, no joy, no energy, really um, dysfunctional relationships with so much resentment because you're, because nobody, so many people aren't happy. They're living someone else's life. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned The Matrix. I actually watched that two nights ago. I've, I've seen it probably, I've seen it about 60 times. It's one of my favorite films because it's just so many, so much to it. But uh yeah, look, I I'm excited about your course, mate. I and I can I can feel and see the passion, and um, I completely agree with everything you're saying. And it, it's just like, and and what better feeling is there when you can? Um, I know when I've gone and done a talk, and if I've just seen had heard from one person after that, and most of the time you do, you hear from someone, and they've gone and actually making a change because of it, and you see the results. It's like, what better feeling is there to know that you've in some small way being able to help someone yeah. make this huge change to their life that's like you know nothing can give you that feeling yeah and, and nothing else can give it yeah and that's why you know your podcast too is like your commitment is to actually help people and so i really feel like those type of those type of things like really we're moving into a new era i feel in on our planet where there's there's a big shift of focus on people are not fulfilled enough with just living their life for money or fame or or just getting by. People are waking up and it's it's happening. It it really is and I can and you're part of 
the, you're a part of that. And, and I feel like uh, some of the work that I'm doing is definitely connected to, to being a part of that waking up to like actually living your life rather than having living someone else's life. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, and, and and probably changing the metrics of in society eventually how we measure success rather than it being measured by the normal metrics of who's got the most money, who's the most famous, etc. Yeah. Measuring it from who's making the most impact or or not even the most impact, just by making impact. If we can all, we, we all can make impact in different ways. It doesn't matter, you know, what tools we have available to us. It's just with what we have available right now, what can we do to just change that conversation? To, you know, one small thing can go a long way. If we just live by that, that's how we can, if everyone does that, that's how the world changes. You know, that's how a movement happens. All of us collectively doing, you know, a small step in that direction. Uh, totally agree. So, um, and look, sorry, we're going, I'm, I've gone a bit longer than I expected just because there's so many, you know, I'm loving everything you're saying here. It's like, <laughs> it's getting me excited as well. Mate. Um, I, so I, I read you've, um, you, uh, performed at Carnegie Hall for Kate Winslet's, uh, Golden Hat Foundation for Autism Awareness. Um, I'd also read, uh, that you, uh, with your one of your albums, you um you were donating a portion of that to uh, ALS and autism research. Are these charities close to you, and is that something that's been important to you? Yeah, I watched my dad at a young age put tires on our youth pastor's car, and uh, when we couldn't afford it, we had just lost it. My dad had just lost a business, uh, like a, everything we had, so we couldn't eat out. We had to eat in the garden from the garden at on the farm. But I still watch my dad write a check at church for, for 10% of whatever they had been making and then also put tires. So I learned a tithing at a very early age. So 10% of everything I, I earn goes to different charities. So I have a fund that I put 10% of my income in and it's like Christmas. I get to look at this thing and I'm like, ooh, where do I want to <laughs> send it? So I'm connected to ALS because my dad died from ALS seven years ago. Uh, and ALS.net is a lab, a biotech lab that's doing some great things. So I support them. And then I just, the Carnegie Hall, uh, I met uh, Margaret, Eric's daughter, who is the, um, who f created the Golden Hat Foundation with Kate Winslet. And I did a movie with Tim Janis, who is the director, and he's also a music director. And he heard a cover I did of Hallelujah and said, do you want to do that at Carnegie Hall? And I was like, what? <laughs> with a 100-person symphony and a 200-person choir. So that was two years ago. Wow. Three years ago? Two years. And it went well. And I got to sing another Christmas song, too. And then this year, I went back and got to do The Stone, which is in one of my originals, with again, a hundred symphony and this time more choir. And I got to play, let it be a Beatles song at Carnegie hall. It was just mm -hmm. so cool. But, um, that, uh, yes, I, I love, uh, 10% of everything I have goes towards some charity. I get to play with it. I get to do whatever lights me up. So there's a couple that I PR ministries is a, is Michael Guido, who's someone in Nashville that tours around with musicians as a road pastor kind of, and he travels and, when an artist is, you know, thinking about cheating on their wife, he'll fly there and hang out with them. So I've been involved with them for 25 years uh, to supporting them. And then the, there's different things that come up. I have a I have a Santa Claus fund or a tithing fund that I get to do 
whatever good things I want with it. And I really feel like the tithing principle, giving 10% and then saving 10% for yourself, which I, I read in The Richest Man in Babylon, which is, have you read that yet? No, I'll have to put that on the list, mate. Yeah. It'll change. I've just changed your financial life. It's a tiny little, tiny little, tiny little parable. Great story. You'll never be the same. You'll, 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 there will, you won't be able to not save 10% and give away 10%. You live off of 80. Um, And then as you earn more money, you start living off of 50 or 30 and save, you just save as much as you, you create, you create buckets, right? Mm. So, um, um, yeah. What was I talking about right before that? <laughs> Although Rich is oh, with all the then the the charity work, but and and what you're saying, mate, and I think it's so beautiful that you're putting that. That's a, a big chunk, you know, that you're dedicating to these charities. That's a, it's an amazing thing. You're actually doing it, not talking about it. Like that's yeah. I mean, I talk I talk about it for sure to beautiful. inspire people because I feel but you're doing it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not just saying like, look at me. I'm giving money away reg- at all. I'm saying yeah. if you give a percentage of what you earn back, you will be trusted with more. It's the only place in the Bible um, where God says, test me now in this. It's in Malachi 3. It's in the Old Testament. And he goes, there's a verse, there's a little thing where they've been, they they said, you've been robbing God of his tithes and offerings, which means they haven't been like giving back or something. And God in this Malachi 3 says, test me now in this. And see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven so much abundance that you will not know what to do with it. It's the only place in the whole thing where God's like, test me in this. So I do. I'm mm-hmm. like, all right. And I watched, if, if people listening to this or watching this are in a bad financial place, you give your way out of it. You you don't get stingy. You give your way out. And it's just, it's just mm-hmm. the, it's a universal law, but it's also a law that I've been doing since I was 17 years old that I've never uh, moved away from it. And I get, I Amazing. know it's why I'm financially abundant. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible, mate. Um, well, yeah, thank you for sharing all of that as well. And You're um, I guess uh, just in a second, I'll finish up. We have sort of five just closing sort of quick questions we finish with every guest great um before we go into that uh two two final things um specifically and i I spoke to another another actor not long ago and i was sort of asking you know in the entertainment world you know anxiety depression these different issues are more prevalent statistically i guess because of the uncertainty would you say uh that's something you've noticed and how can how can that be dealt with in that industry so are you talking which aspect of mental in in the business like just the anxiety? I guess like just anxiety yeah. and you know people being just completely overwhelmed by the lack of control and you know the the ever changing sort of nature of pursuing a career in it I haven't experienced that I, I like the environment I surround <laughs> the the, the environment yeah. I surround myself with are people that are not victims like and yeah and yeah I'm not saying that everyone who's anxious is a victim but what I am saying is the environment around me pulls for greatness and pulls for for solution not for oh my god I'm not working I don't I don't, I don't actually surround myself with that environment I haven't seen much of it I've been in a bit of a bubble by choice of friends and community that is 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 not um not thinking that life is happening 
to them, but they know that life is happening for them. Like I, my, 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 my environment yeah, yeah, yeah. where I look around. I, so I haven't experienced, obviously I've seen people get stressed here and there, but, yeah. uh, but it's no more than probably a banker or a lawyer or someone who's sure, actually saving sure. lives. I mean, we're playing pretend. And you've answered the question beautifully there as well. It's like, if, if you are in, in that environment where you're surrounded by that negativity, change change the environment. Go and change who you're around. Look at, hang on, maybe I'm feeling like this because I'm having these same negative conversations every day. Maybe I'm feeling like this because I'm making following these same behavior patterns every day. How can I change it? And so I, you, your answers to these are giving us very practical solutions about how people can go and change it and you talked you talked about it so many times today you know just change the environment for sure and if you're doing something that makes you unhappy or miserable don't do it like it's (laughs) it seems so simple right but why do we do the things that make us miserable why do we choose friends that we know don't have our best interests like we have the power to change so it's it's if we're it's like jordan peterson says don't let your kids get away with things that make you hate or resent them it's simple like don't let your kids do things that make you hate them (laughs) don't and in in our own lives don't do things that you make your life suck it it sounds like (laughs) it sounds simple but it's true it's so true. I love it. I love it. Uh, it's it's so, so true. And before I go into these final questions, is there anything else just in summary, any final little tips you want to give or um, where we can, again, you know, uh, where, where people can go? Is it just going to your website to find out more about you? Is there anything else if they want to find your music? From what I saw, it's, it's all on your site. Yeah, thank you for that. The music's yep. everywhere. It's the album's called Freedom for Your Soul. Uh, there's another artist out there called Paul Green with the E as well. But it's on Spotify, uh, it's on iTunes, Bandcamp, uh, YouTube, Amazon. It's kind of everywhere. The thing I've been doing very consistently is uh, is Facebook Live concerts. So I will play my own songs. I'll play Great. covers. I'll play on Sundays. I do like a gospel thing. And that's on my Facebook, uh, Paul Green Official, which there's uh, – I've done 60 concerts, 62 concerts over this quarantine, like since three months oh, ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so – so yeah, I mean, the only thing I want people left with is that gratitude is the magic pill. Like gratitude will get you out of every squirrely, frustrating, weird place that you're in that you don't want to be in. If you just turn everything to what you're grateful for rather than what you're um, miserable about, you'll just get more things to be grateful for. Beautiful, mate. That's a really nice way to finish that part of the the interview. Thank you so much. So we are, and yeah, we ask every every guest these okay. uh, five sort of questions at the end. These can be, you know, really short answers, whatever, just whatever comes to mind. So first one, what would you say is your best childhood memory? I would say fishing and water skiing with my dad. Uh, on this little lake where he was working in the oil fields and we had a little boat and a motor home and we were camping and and dad would come home and we would go fishing and he taught us how to clean the fish and then mom would fr- make the fish with cornflakes like the crust and we had a, our cat came tiger came that, that little period just of nature and having my dad's approval when i'd get up on the skis or catch a fish and and uh that's probably my best like childhood memory 
Yeah, beautiful, mate. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, uh, what would you say, what do you think right now in the world is the biggest burden on mental health? Comparison. Yeah. Comparing yourself to others, for sure, rather than comparing yourself to who you used to be, for sure. Comparison, if you compare yourself financially or your body or your Instagram or your your podcast numbers to someone else like Joe Rogan or something, you're going to be freaking miserable and depressed. So I think short answer, comparison. Yeah, absolutely. If I'm comparing to Joe Rogan, I'll be shutting this podcast down tomorrow. <laughs> What's that saying? Comparison is uh, the thief of joy. It's so true. It's so true. It sure it's, is. Uh, yeah, it really is. Uh, so I absolutely agree. Uh, where do you see mental health in society in 10 years time in the sense of do you see um a lot of problems getting worse through this comparison social media thing do you see things getting better through like you're talking about people are becoming more conscious a bit of both where do you see things heading in the next decade i am an optimist so i only feel like the future is going to be phenomenally amazing so i feel with the tools and that and in and the 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 platform of social media whether it's youtube or facebook or instagram a lot of people that have ideas like you will be able to get your message out and there'll be a more of an awakening and an awareness around simple tools like gratitude or don't compare yourself or whatever so i feel and especially you know as influ as as influencers and artists can 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 get their message out bigger that of a way of actually uh, as a way of of, of having I, I feel like there is a way that in the future mental health will be better because of people like you and hopefully like what I'm doing or other influencers that mm. can share their story and they'll actually get heard and that will trigger the awakening and that will trigger people to take responsibility for their lives. So I, I really feel the answers in education, like in, in, in a part, and the enemy social media is also the savior because it's the way that that message can get out. So it's, it's a, it's like any tool. If you eat too much broccoli, you'll feel sick. Like it's just, like, it's any, absolutely right. So it's, um, I, I think in 10 years from now, I mean, if I have anything to do with it, I feel like it'll be in a much more, uh, a much better space and, and less shame and less guilt around people who actually have some of the issues so they can get some um, help and actually create create really great strategy for themselves to get out of it. So um, I think in ten, 10 years from now, we'll be, in a, we'll be in a healthier place. And you know, what's interesting is of course, technology is always changing. So technology is always changing. So AI... Uh, mm. may actually help some people. Like I, I'm not a, like I said, I'm not a, I'm an optimist about pretty much everything. So um, there maybe with AI or the way technology grows, we'll be able to help people uh, maybe anonymously share some of their issues. So there's less shame and, and, and guilt uh, or around there. They could be able to share mm. their, their mental health issue with maybe a program that connects them to a counselor. So it's anonymous and they're so techno. I, I think we're going to be in a great place in 10 years. I love that. I love, I love, I love, I love the optimistic view and it, it, it's so true. There's so many things to look forward to. Um, what would you say is your personal definition of happiness? 
doing what I said I would do when I said I would do it. So it's much, it's a little bit more like integrity. So when yeah. I'm, when I'm in integrity with my word, I feel quite chuffed. I, I feel quite, quite happy because I feel pursuit of happiness is, is, is a terrible mistake to wish your kids would be happy is a dis, is a disaster waiting to happen. Our jobs as parents are not to make our kids happy, it's to make them grow. And our jobs as humans isn't to be happy, it's to grow. And I feel like growth mm-hmm. and contribution makes me very very happy for sure. But when I'm out of integrity with my word, like when I don't do what I say I was going to I was going to do when I said I was going to do, I feel a little, I feel a little off my balance. And so think when I feel balanced, I'm very, have the symptoms of what a happy person would, would look like, I guess. But happiness is a, is a terrible monster to chase. Yeah. Well, I love that answer. And you can't, you can't chase happiness. It comes down to all the things you've just said there. You just got to, you know, follow, follow what is important and be integral to, you know, why you're doing things. And fulfillment and joy fulfillment and joy are worthy things to to sort of have as a bit of a i think a maybe a north star or a banner but they're they have a little bit more definability to fulfillment and joy right uh, mm. in a way they for me they're better guiders than happiness because happiness you know can go like that with if i eat the wrong food i'm like oh exactly, like, yeah. what happiness is a fickle friend for sure Happiness is not the external, it's the, the internal. Um, totally. But final one here, um, and from what you've told me, I know there's many, many things here, but I've got what's the most courageous thing you've ever done? You've done so many. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe one that comes to mind. What's the most courageous thing I've ever done? That is a really great question. The first thing that comes to mind is I was filming something um, that was called Wedding Bells for David E. Kelly. And David E. Kelly created uh, Ali McBeal, Doogie Howser, Big Big Little Lies. He created some of the best shows that we have, Harry's Law. Uh, and I was filming a, my first job and I somehow did a t- self-tape for David for for wedding bells and I booked it but I was already shooting this other series called Wicked Games with Tatum O'Neill she was my co-star and I came up did the show for a week they let me out of my other show to do David's show and while I was there David saw my dailies and he said we want you to come and read this court this thing that James Spader had already done and James Spader have you ever seen uh, uh, Boston Legal so Boston with William Shatner and I'd, I'd kind of seen, I knew James Spader's such an eloquent, like, uh, expositional actor. And he, it's a courtroom scene where you have to convince a jury. So I get these eight pages from David while I'm filming two shows. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to, <laughs> I have to go. And I'm like, who's going to be in the room? And it was just David and his producing partner and the camera person. But I had to go in there. And, and I remember learning it and I was walking my neighborhood and I was like imagining the courtroom scene and I stepped into that room and I feel like I did, I was very, very courageous and, and, and it's, and it was one of those things that 
because I respect and admire David Kelly so much that I knew I had to, I really wanted to do a really great job and I feel like I really did fulfill on that role I fulfill on that 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 experience and it took a lot of courage for me to to get out of my own way and not have the story be like take me down or sabotage me so uh that that was it's weird i've done weird things with airplanes and and uh and skydiving and motorcycles in india and the most courageous thing i can think of is an audition but it was a significant feat the close second was the month in india on the motorbike because our lives were in danger so many times and i i'm that was the most courageous because fear was always present and I had to learn how to lean into love instead of fear. So that whole journey, there's a film called The Highest Pass. It was a, we did a documentary while we were on bikes. And the whole journey is moving from fear to love. And so I had a picture of my son on my gas tank. And whenever I would have fear come up, because there was trucks everywhere, I saw five dead bodies. Mm. And it's just there's, there's death everywhere. I'd look at my son and I would have this feeling of love. And then when I would look at him, I'd become more relaxed and I'd be mm -hmm. a more intuitive rider. But when I was fearful, I was stiff and stupid. So I learned that fear yeah. makes you fear makes you dumb and love makes you smart. That's that was but it was the courage to overcome some of those fears on that trip. Fear of death, really. Yeah, well well that's an amazing way to to end it, mate. And I, I actually did a similar thing. I went to India for six weeks, booked a one way ticket and just made it up as I went and it was a life changing experience, you know, doing that. So Thank you, mate, so much for sharing everything. Like I could talk to you all day about this stuff. Like I, I love. I'm like hanging off every word you've said. I've, I feel like so excited to like put a lot of the stuff you've just told me into action. So mm. I majorly, majorly appreciate you making the time. It means a huge amount. I know this is going to help a lot of people, and just want to say thank you so much. I love everything you're about. I love everything you're doing, and uh, hopefully I can you know meet you when I'm back in North America. So thank yeah, you, mate. Yeah, for sure. No, it was my privilege. I'm glad you reached out on social media, and I'm I'm glad that that uh, yeah, anything I can do to to have to make have my life make a difference in some way. I'm I'm up for those. I'm up for those things, and this is definitely one of them. I I love what you're doing, and I like. I really appreciate the. Uh, the the story you're telling and you're helping people with your own story too so that yeah i'm happy to do it so you're coming to vancouver so maybe in a couple months uh we'll go grab a coffee or something absolutely we'll all have right. to Matt. sounds good thanks so much all right Thank nice, you. nice to meet you Bye. appreciate it this episode of move your mind was produced and edited by tim boozer would like to thank john holland for proudly sponsoring this episode Thanks to Paul Green for joining me today for Move Your Mind. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Move Your Mind. We're going to be releasing new episodes every week, and we would love it if you could subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a comment, leave a star rating, recommend us to a friend, and help support us on this journey. Join me, Nick Brax, in Mental Health Masterclass, where you can access cinema-quality essential mental health education from world-leading experts anytime, anywhere. Each 12 to 15 minute module comes with comprehensive workbooks and a range of printable books with optional tasks, behavior change tools, information, and guidance to create healthy, preventative long-term habits. Go to courses.nickbrax.com to enroll, or simply go to nickbrax.com and click on the Mental Health Masterclass icon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.